Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment here. Welcome to the latest episode of the Farm Equipment Podcast Series, Our Dealer Story. In this episode, I sat down with Gary, Angie, and Adam Fennig of Fennig Equipment, a short-line-only dealer based in Coldwater, Ohio, during the Precision Farming Dealer Summit. I tell you, there'd be days I would love to go back there and get there at 8 o'clock and leave at 5 o'clock. I think about that quite often, but I don't know, as, as I get home some nights and, and sit down and rethink about you know, the day's happenings and, and everything that's going on, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It does mean a lot to when you can have the family involved with my son and then also my other brothers. There's a, another nephew in the family that's uh, 12 or 13 that maybe someday he'll be involved in, in the operation also. That was Gary Fennick talking about the difference between working for another dealership and the joy and pride he has now owning his own business and working so closely with his family. Before we head over to the Fennigs, I wanted to thank our sponsor, HBS Systems, a multi-generational company that for over 30 years has provided leading edge systems and software technology designed specifically for ag and construction equipment dealers. Thanks for making this new podcast series possible. Okay, let's get things going. Here's my conversation with the Fennig family of Fennig Equipment. Thanks so much for sitting down with us, guys. Gary, I know you've got plenty of dealership experiences ahead of opening Fennec Equipment. Can you just walk us down that road a little bit about how you got from um, the ACO dealership you were at previously to uh, opening a dealership of your own? Well, I worked at a local dealership, a local ACO dealership, for uh, about 21 years and uh, as a parts manager. And at that time, our family also has a crop insurance business. So I quit the dealership, went to the family farm to help with the crop insurance business. And after a farm show in Fort Wayne, Indiana, about a year or so later, I met with Jeff Worley with Yetter Manufacturing. Uh, we got together at an evening at a restaurant and sort of talked about it and, and laid out our plan. Oh, I think it was maybe 30, 45 days later that uh, I made my first sale. It was actually a pallet of twine that I sold a guy. Before I got back to the farm from visiting his farm, he says, man, you got a heck of a price on this product. He says, I want two more skids. And after that, it just it blossomed and ballooned and, and uh, here we are today. So that's basically how it, uh, how it got started. And uh, with the help of my other three brothers that are in the business. So that's, that's basically how, how it went. Okay, so Yetter was looking for for a dealer? Yetter, or just... Yeah, Yetter was looking for a dealer. Okay. And, uh, and I handled Yetter products at the local dealership I worked for. And, uh, and so we started out with Yetter being one of our first products that we've handled since day one. You guys are a short line only dealership. Has that been intentional? Have you ever toyed with the idea of, you know, trying to pick up a full line contract? Yeah, we are fully a short line dealer. And actually you think about it, we, everything we sell does not have an engine, uh, which is sort of ironic. But uh, uh, I, I think maybe down the road that opportunity might come. Can you kind of go through the story of how you guys have grown from that conversation with Yetter to now having, you know, five or six different product lines you're carrying and being a, a full dealership, not just Yeah, I mean, we, we've grown quite tremendously over the last four or five years. Uh, a lot of it's been with the help of Adam. I mean, a lot of the things that he's been doing when the son talks to the dad and dad rolls his eyes like, you gotta be kidding me. And I, I think 
you have to think outside the box a little bit. I think that's what we do also with a lot of our products that we offer. Uh, we're not afraid to try anything different. Uh, we'll try it and see how it goes. But, uh, but yeah, Yetter was the first one. Now we're up to six or seven different uh, short line companies. And, uh, uh, you know, we offer a lot of different things. And another thing that we offer in our business is cover crop. And cover crop is getting a big push nowadays. And, mm -hmm. and uh, we focus a lot on, on different ways of, of co putting cover crop on. So that all along was, is boosting our, uh, getting the reach to the farmer with more than just attachments, but some kind of a cover crop scenario that would work for his farm. How has owning and running the business, how's that compared to you know, being the parts manager at the ACO dealership? I tell you, there'd be days I would love to go back there and get there at eight o'clock and leave at five o'clock. Uh, I think about that quite often, but I don't know, as, as I get home some nights and, and sit down and rethink about you know, the day's happenings and, and everything that's going on, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, it does mean a lot to when you can have the family involved with my son and then also my other brothers. There's a, another nephew in the family that's uh, 12 or 13 that maybe someday he'll be involved in, in the operation also. But it, it is a good feeling when, when my wife and I go to farm shows and farmers come up and say, hey, where's, is Adam here? No, Adam's not here. I'm just like, you took a piece of candy away from him. You know, they put their head down and, well, okay. So that, that gives me a good feeling because I know that the legacy of Fennig equipment is just not going to stop whenever, you know, we retire or do something else. It's going to continue with, with Adam and what he brings to the table in, in the years forward. So I, that, that's a really good feeling because it takes a lot of work and a lot of ambition to, to start with nothing. I mean, we started from scratch today with a lot of these companies we represent. We've been the top dealer for a lot of our companies for a, a long, long time. How did you get through having scraps to getting to where you are today? What got you guys through? There was a lot of different marketing techniques that we used when we first got started. And a lot of them techniques are still with us today. And I think that's, that's one of the things that really took our business to the next level. Having good people that surround you, uh, that is, that's huge. Uh, a good banker, uh, a good accountant, some some people that you can call at any time at the day and ask them a question or run something by them and get their opinion. And we also have some uh, Jeff Worley with Yetter, uh, Dave Gunkelman uh, with Salford. He, he's our Salford rep. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Boak, he's, he's with Salford. Uh, them are my go-to guys that I can call any time. And it's nice to have that safety net there that you can bounce something off of them guys and they'll, they'll tell you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you sort of, you take it from there and then next I talk with Adam, make sure he's on board with it or get his thoughts. And it's just a, a communication that uh, you got to have the right people surrounding your business to make it work. And, uh, and, and that's a huge help. What kind of thoughts went through your head after that, the meeting with Yetter and then selling the first thing? And was it sort of a, oh man, are we really doing this? Or was it, did you without question know, yeah, let's go for it. Let's let's get this business going. Well, at, at first I say, yeah, let, let's, let's do this. But then as this business grew, I mean, we grew really rapid in the first two, three years. It was 
very fast growth and and it was getting to the point where it was too much for my wife and I and uh, to handle. So that's you know Adam just graduated from Ohio State. He came on board, and I'm thinking, man, you know this, this is happening like I dreamed maybe someday it would, but it's happening a lot faster than mm-hmm. I ever thought it would. But getting to that plateau is one thing, but staying at that plateau for as long as we have with a lot of different things that we handle with different companies, that's, I don't know, to, to me that's pretty remarkable because I know there is highs and there's lows, but it seems like here in the last six, seven years, it's been on a pretty steep incline mm-hmm. since day one. When was that, Adam, that you came on? I believe I came on in 12. Okay, pretty early on. Yeah, it was pretty early on. I went to college, wasn't really sure what I was going to do, honestly, afterwards. And uh, at that point, you know, you wonder if if it was for real or if we were just going to sell some twine on the side. But, uh, yeah, you jump in and it's it's been for real. So. Are you still selling twine? No. no. <laughs> I don't know, might have had it. <laughs> nope. Angie, what were you thinking when... Gary comes and says, I, you know, I had this meeting with Yetter, we're, we're selling some twine too, you know. <laughs> I was a little nervous, of course, but I, I, I had confidence in him that I, I knew that with his background and everything that he would go forward and do a really good job like he has. Definitely proud. Yeah. Yeah. Both of, of, you know, you got your husband and your son and it's like, yeah. What are some of the things that you learned through your experience having just worked in a dealership that you've been able to kind of either good or, you know, how they were doing it was good or maybe it wasn't, but mm-hmm. that you were able to kind of bring forward into this, mm-hmm. this uh, business. I think how one of the ways we started out so fast and continue on that, in, on that incline is Adam, myself, and all of our sales guys, we make a point to go visit farmers, go pull in their driveway. And uh, we have uh, six sales guys right now with six pickup trucks and every day we're pulling into farmers driveways you know showing them what's new what could help them in their operation so i I think that is that is key because if you think you're going to take your business and take to the next level or hit this certain goal or something like that it's it's not going to happen sitting in your office chair i mean you have to do it and and I have a sign in my office that sort of says uh, if you it's great to have an idea but putting that idea into action is a whole another step and mm-hmm. in, in the functionality of it and I, I look at that every day and you know, we all have great ideas on what we want to do and how we want to go about it but when you can actually implement that and you see the return that's that's what's nice what was sort of the the turning point for for the business where you know it really did take off? I, I think it was, I don't know, 15 or 16. This whole, uh, the whole cover crop initiative sorta started gaining traction and I worked, we were a sulfur dealer at the time and, and I, uh, I think at that point, I, I knew then we were in it for the long haul because there was some things that uh, that happened within them couple years that really boosted our sales and, and we hired another another sales guy or maybe two sales guys but you've got to make sure you got the right people like I said before I mean none of this would have happened I mean our, our employees I can't say enough about our employees and Adam can back me up on that uh, our employees are wonderful and I wouldn't trade one of them for anybody else and 
surround yourself with the good people, the good employees, it, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. it'll How many employees do you guys have now? Well, if I count, uh, that's a good question because every <laughs> other Friday we all get paid on payday and I'm thinking, you know, we got to make sure we have everything covered for, for that. But with, counting my brothers, there's uh, 13 of us. Okay. Uh, actually, we have a couple, one engineer that works for us and we have a part-time engineer that goes to uh, college part-time and he works for us and the rest are, are sales guys. And uh, so, yeah, that's what we have is, is a total of 13. Okay. What's your brother's involvement in the business? Uh, my brother, Mike, <clears throat> he works in the business. He takes care of the crop insurance side also. Okay. So there's a lot of paperwork with crop insurance. So he handles that part of the crop insurance business. And then he also takes care of the books on the, on the fending equipment side. Okay. Uh, my brother Ryan's also takes care of the crop insurance business. Uh, his aspect is uh, going out and seeing customers for the crop insurance, uh, putting meetings together, uh, quoting and things like that. And then uh, my brother Todd, uh, he actually works away from the farm. He works at UPS. Okay. So every morning at 7.30, everybody gets to the farm and we see everybody and then everybody sort of branches away and goes do what they have to do and see everybody again at five, six o'clock in the evening. Yeah. So is the, the crop insurance business is still, they're all tied together? Well, the fending equipment is, stands alone. The crop okay. insurance business stands alone. We have another partner in the crop insurance okay. business. So, but fending equipment, we stand alone. And uh, another thing is, is my mom and dad, they live on the family farm. Is the dealership operating off the farm or, or on the farm? You guys keep talking about we meet at the farm. Is yeah, it's on our home farm. Okay. My mom and dad live on the home farm. Uh, we have I don't know, 25, 30 head of cows, brew cows. So we farm ourselves. So it's just, and we have an office, a shop, a warehouse. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's the where the business is. Okay. okay. And uh, dad, he does a lot of our trucking for us. Uh, so there's actually three generations uh, working in fending equipment. Then Adam has two sons, uh, and I have a daughter that has a couple boys. So hopefully, maybe in the next you know, 10, 15, 20 years, it, it could be a you know, four-generation uh, business, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Do you guys have um, that, you know, you're still fairly young, so do you have a, have you talked about a succession plan and things like that? Is that in place or is it That's That's where it comes back to uh, having the good people surrounding you. Uh, we have that in, we have a lot of that in writing, but there's there's some things we need to work on. Uh, I'd definitely love to have Adam get, get involved on the ownership side someday of funding equipment. Uh, I don't think my wife and I, we, I don't know how long we wanna keep on a schedule that we, we've been on over the last 10 years, but, uh, but some, someday I, I'm sure Adam will, will have a chance to, to get in and, and uh, what he brings to the company is, uh, I don't know, I can't be any prouder than what I am for what he brings to the business. Yeah, so you started the business in you know, 2011, so 2012 came when prices were, were high and you know, thing, you know, there was a drought, but things were good. Um, how was being kind of a young company and then this recession downturn and ag hit, how has that been for the business? 
It's actually, we've, we've showed solid growth over the last four or five years, and I think it all goes back to, you know, we don't handle the $400,000, dollars tractor or combine. We handle attachments. Uh, that's one good thing. Uh, another good thing is I think it's what we bring to the table as far as the unique family business, the unique employees that we have, the little niche markets that we have that really nobody else offers. And I think that's where we come in and sets ourselves apart from, from a lot of other dealerships. Mm -hmm. Adam, what's your, uh, your vision for the future? Of your sort of the future of the business at this point. What's your dream for it? I mean, you can only see so far. In, in the last two years, we have brought on board several good employees. And it seems like with every employee you add on, you, you just go through a period that you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. Like you can now do this and, and this. And I think just in, in the future, as we add employees, it's gonna grow our business for us. Um, we've never really had to reach out to grow. Um, it seems like it just kind of happens. You go through a phase where it's kind of dead and, and, and you feel like things need to happen and then it, it just kind of does. Mm -hmm. uh, another sales guy comes on, uh, another part-time shop guy comes on, and now you can either sell more or run things through the shop. But long term, I mean, I, I see the business continuing to grow. We're going to continue to diversify and keep ourselves different from mainline dealers and do things in a different fashion. We'll get back to Fennig Equipment's story in a minute, but first I wanted to say thanks to HBS Systems, the sponsor of this series. To learn more about HBS's equipment dealership management systems, visit www.hbssystems.com. After that, head over to farm-equipment.com for the latest industry news. Now back to the story of Fennig Equipment and how they set themselves apart from the competition and how as the single store dealership has grown, how Gary's role in the business has changed with it. How do you guys set yourself apart now, um, either through your marketing or just your interactions with your customers from those mainline dealers? Yeah, so we get that question all the time on what sets us apart or why people should go with us. Um, and I think about that question a lot because there's no real good answer. We do, we do offer some different equipment, but anyone can offer that. But I think what's different is that we run on our agenda we don't have a, someone telling us what to push. Mm -hmm. um, we get to talk to hundreds of farmers a week. And by having that nose to the ground, we get to hear what the farmers are telling us and we adjust to that. So we heard the cover crop deal coming long time ago. And so we, we got on board with it. Um, we've got engineers on staff so, so we can move uh, much quicker than, than larger dealerships and our agenda is the farmer's agenda because we hear that from them so we can move quickly we can shift to what the farmer's telling us and uh seems like we're we're always right on board with what's moving mm -hmm. rather than maybe being a little bit behind but those small niche things that we chase is definitely what sets us apart what would you guys say is the biggest um challenge you face as a dealership that's, that's a good question. I guess, far as I'm speaking, uh, continue to find a good employee, the good sales guy that's gonna help you 
take you to the next level. Uh, that seems it's always hard. To, you think you might have the right guy, and then you find out after you did all the legwork of you know, going through the process of hiring him, he might not be the right fit. Uh, it's just, uh, there's just a lot of things on a day-to-day -day running the, the business on daily things mm -hmm. that takes a lot of time. And when you, uh, and I'll admit, I'm not good at it. I mean, I'm, that wasn't my cup of tea when I started this business. I started this business as me being on the road, out seeing guys. I love doing that. But as we've grown, Adam's taken my place. You know, maybe a couple other sales guys have taken my place. I'm I'm back at the office. You know, more and more seems like all the time, uh, trying to f do the little things that you know, I guess real, nobody real else really knows what I do. But uh, there's just a lot of things that that goes on, on a day to day basis when you have. You know, 10, 12 employees, uh, guys on the road, phones are ringing, cell phones are ringing. Uh, but yeah, there's, it, there's always something. A lot of decisions that have yeah, to go our, through. Some of our, our biggest challenges come with the things that make us or put us in a, an advantage mm -hmm. is the fact that we're small. Um, I know a lot of the deer dealers, you know, they have, they have, uh, they can get their hands on uh, better accounting software, better inventory software, better lead management software, and they, they can buy it and cover four stores with one cost. Mm -hmm. With us, we're a single location. A lot of those costs for a small business like uh, us, it can be higher. Another thing is, is actually getting the word out and letting people know what we do. Um, there are several small dealerships out there, a lot of precision dealers, uh, Yetter dealers, um, so everyone thinks that they're all the same. So we do struggle to differentiate ourselves from either the local deer dealer or the local precision dealer. Um, people kind of think we're all in the same. So we do struggle to uh, sometimes get some bigger credibility that we feel we sometimes deserve. Mm -hmm. And uh, it all comes with being small, but uh, that's also an advantage that we have. So it's kind of, they kind of go together. Are you in more just kind of an operations role now, Gary, versus are you still out selling or? Uh, we st my wife and I do farm shows. We take care of the farm shows because most of our employees have little kids at home. And, and uh, so it's easy for my wife and I to get away, go do farm shows. That's about my only interaction with, with customers uh, anymore. But I mean, we have a lot of guys that stop by the farm and uh, they want this or that, and, and I'm there to help with that. But uh, I mean, there'll be days where I'd, I'd love to hop in that truck and, and go out and see farmers for days upon days. But uh, I feel confident that the guys that we have uh, on board with us are doing a heck of a job and uh, taking us to, you know, to the next level. But, uh, but yeah, my, my job description, I guess, would be the the every day-to-day -day business decisions or see you know what what is going on or what's happening yeah at what point did you realize oh I've got to I got to get off the road I I need to stop being the one out there selling and find someone that I trust to do that and stay back and take care of the the decision-making day-to-day kind of stuff oh I don't know I mean it's 
that was, that was sort of a hard call for me because I'm I'm not good at doing what I'm doing. I mean, I'm I'm learning the steps. You know, it takes some time to to get used to it. But my my love and my thrill was pulling into a farmer's driveway and talking to him about a product and getting him to say yes, I'll take twelve of them and and delivering that product to him and get the check and that is all so rewarding uh, on the sales side of things and uh, when you don't get to do that anymore and that's how it started I mean that's that's how it's basically started the very first day and uh, as I look back yeah I would love to do that again but the way the times are today, uh, you know, I have a lot of conversation with my brothers. Uh, <clears throat> communication is is huge in a in a family business, and I know uh, communicating with your brothers and your mom and dad, and then going in the house for supper that night, and I mean, it, there's just a lot of things that go on, and I'm so thankful that we are. A good family. Uh, we all get along great. I know there is some days where we could probably, you know, choke hold the other brother <laughs> or or do something. But as you look back at it, it's it's something that it's all part of it, and you have to know how to handle that. And if you don't know how to handle that, you're not going to grow. And because uh, all four of us boys, including Adam and my wife, everybody has their own opinion on a lot of things that happen in a business and you have to be selective on what your what opinion you're going to go talk to my brothers about and say here you know Adam's thinking about maybe this might work what do you guys think you know and and uh, so we bounce a lot of things off of, of everybody to sort of get their feelings and and what they think because the last thing I want to have happen is do something and uh, hey, I, I, didn't, I didn't know we were going to do that, or it didn't turn out that way, or but just keeping the communication line open uh, is is huge in a in any business, but I think it's really particular in a family business. Yeah, because you're once you go home at night, it, they're still your brother. It's not. That's right, and when you work with your, or your wife, son or your wife, or right, <laughs> you, you work with your wife and your son, and then you know they come out that evening for supper. You don't want to talk about work. You want to leave work at work, and that's we we try to do that every every night when we get home. We try not to discuss work. It's very hard sometimes, but uh, leave work at work, and we'll talk about it tomorrow morning. And uh, but yeah, the the communication between you know my three brothers and my dad. We I still my dad is 75, 76 years old, and. He's still a big part of the business. Uh, we bounce a lot of things off of him, get his opinion. Uh, so there's there's a lot of things that that goes on behind closed doors that nobody even realizes. Oh yeah, even goes on. Angie, what would you say has been the biggest biggest challenge uh, as far as uh, with the family or with the, just the whole in general the whole the whole thing. Whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is hard. A lot of I get asked a lot, how is it working with your husband every day and, you know, being in work, you know, that environment with family and everything. And before I started working with him as with the company, I was working with my parents in a fa another family business. They own a bowling alley. And I was a waitress in the bowling alley for years, like 
growing up. Mm -hmm. So I had worked with my parents and my brothers and sisters. So I had had that little bit of interaction with, you know, how it is with that. So it, I, um, I enjoy it. I really do. We, I mean, we're, we're gone. It's, we were lucky that when the business started, that our kids were old, old enough that we could leave mm -hmm. home and go do the farm shows. Like Adam has little ones and for, to ask him to leave, you know, for a week is hard. He would do it, I'm sure, but it would just be hard on the family and any of, any of our employees, you know. So that's where we enjoy doing that. And uh, I enjoy the, the, the employees that we have and the brothers and so we all get along. So, yeah, yeah, it's, that it is a struggle coming home at night and trying not to discuss what happened that day and why he was mad because something didn't happen right. <laughs> but it all works out. Was there anything from... Um your previous experience, you know, working in a dealership, I believe through the 80s, where you, mm -hmm. when the last downturn happened, anything you were able to, you know, learn from, from that experience and kind of going through that struggle? No, I think it's just life in general. I mean, when a downturn comes, you, you just keep your nose to the grindstone and just keep pushing ahead. And I, I think I have instilled that in Adam and I think that is something that, that is going to help him later on. And I mean, it helps me. And uh, just n never give up. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, you, you take a look at some, we meet with our accountant once a month, and you take a look at some of these numbers, it's like, oh my gosh, I mean, how'd we, how'd we do that? Or how'd we get there? Or this needs to be done by when? And, and it's like, it can be so overwhelming. And if you take a look at it that way, it really makes it tough to do the day-to-day -day stuff. But if you just look at it as a you know, 12-month scenario, you know, it's, it, all, it all seems to work out. Uh, and like I said, I, with the guys I have, with Adam, I mean, I, I can go home at night and know that with Adam on my side, and I know I'm probably a little biased, he's my son, but <laughs> with him on our side, we're fine. We, we're totally fine. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, just, he brings so much to the table that uh, is really, I think, in the future is really going to take this business to the next level. And uh, he helps with, with uh, some of, a lot of decision making on you know, equipment to order. Should we order this? Uh, you think this is going to fit? Uh, you know, a lot. He takes care of all the marketing. I mean, it's it's a huge help, and it's it's a good thing to see that you know his involvement in the business, because hey, he's the he's the next guy on the on the rung on the ladder mm -hmm. that's uh, going to have all this responsibility sometime. I hope, and uh, and there's some other family members that I hope that'll be able to come on board and. And work with him, and and uh, just keep the keep the ball rolling. Yeah. A quick break in the action to invite you to our annual Dealership Mind Summit. Check out this unique management event for farm equipment dealers only at www.dealershipmindssummit.com. It's a quick hit, two-day mastermind style summit that connects you to your peers of all colors. Come participate and learn from the very best minds in the ag machinery dealer world, all seeking solutions to your same challenges. 
www.dealershipmindssummit.com. Do you envision Fennec Equipment ever growing beyond a, a one location dealership? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's definitely possible. I mean, it, it's kind of like adding another employee, but just on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. um, if it's the right location and you have the right people to manage it, absolutely. I mean, you're seeing it more and more with a lot of the big dealerships. That's where they have that big advantage over us. <laughs> is they go buy three more stores, they can spread out a lot of fixed costs, now divide it by seven instead of four. Mm -hmm. So there are definitely advantages to that. Um, we're just shy of some people right now in, a, in order to do that. We, we know some locations that would be great. Uh, we just need some more people to do that, and I think we'd get there eventually, yeah. Yeah, and I was talking eventually, but it sounds like it's a sooner. <laughs> oh, it's it's definitely it's definitely something I've pushed. Okay. Yeah, but the, the the problem the problem is uh, getting the right people to right. do that. You know, um, we've got people out on on you know boots on the ground seeing guys, um, but as you step back and look at us managing our single store, how in the world could we ever manage two? But uh, Again, we could spread product over that, divide everything hopefully by two, and uh, yeah, there's there's definitely markets out there that by adding another location it'd be great, but it's uh, it's something that that would come. Do you see yourselves ever taking on a a tractor line? You know, not necessarily one of the main lines, but right now, no. It's you know, no matter what color it would it would be, I think. Uh, it's definitely something that I've considered, I mean, and looked at and thought, man, it'd be so nice to have that big dealership. People just walk in your door, right? And it's not all that. I mean, it, it's great for guys doing it, um, but we want to set ourselves apart. Again, we want to stay on the farmer's agenda. Um, there there are some, some great tractor companies out there that are actually kind of short line. Mm -hmm. You know, Deutz, uh, JCB, stuff like that would be great in the future. Some of that stuff could be a potential, um, but uh, for right now, we gotta keep ourselves separate. And uh, there's a lot of guys selling tractors, and uh, I think right now, long-term, we would probably just stay without them. Anything else that's um, kind of happened, you know, family stories, dealership stories that, you know, kind of have, been lessons learned along the way, you know, areas you, you stumbled as you got this going that now, um, what's Fennec equipment lore? Is there any? Oh yeah, there's, there's been a lot of stumbles. Yeah, there, there's, been, there, there's been a lot, but you learn from each one of them stumbles. And uh, I, I think, you know, we, up to about a couple years ago, we were doing 10, 12 farm shows a year from Illinois to uh, New York to Raleigh, North Carolina. I mean, we, we spend well, 12, 14 weeks on the road every year doing farm shows. And uh, them, them, them are always fun, but they're, they're a lot of work and being away from home and... and uh, uh, My biggest pet peeve is when people say, oh, you're going on vacation again. <laughs> That's, you know, like I... You want to go on vacation with me? Come on. Yeah. You set this, 
you know, move this equipment around out of a trailer, just the two of you, and struggle putting it, you know, he thinks it should go here and you think it should go here, and the two of you are going back and forth at it, and eventually you compromise and say, okay, that looks good, and then, you know, but the standing on your feet, you know, for eight, ten hours for the farm show, and talking the same thing over and over to the different customers, and, but, you know, that's the hard, but the fun part is, you know, seeing the customers come in to you and their repeats that come back to the show and say, oh, I'm so glad you're here, I need this, and, or I'm so glad you're here because um, I really like that product and my neighbor wants to know more information, I brought him, or back to where Adam comes and we go, we can't go to a farm show now, and Adam here, he, he does all the YouTube videos on how to ch help the farmer as far as what you know is out there that we have showing them why we think it's a good product on he puts it on youtube and just different interviews that he does also and so he's kind of like a celebrity when you go to farm shows <laughs> to us because yeah. everybody wants to know where he's at so your parents have called you a youtube sensation how did that come about was it something that you just knew right away you wanted to do were you comfortable with it right away <laughs> i mean I've, I've watched a few of your videos you yeah. seem very comfortable and natural yeah so how's that evolved so where that all began, I was on the Ohio State Livestock Judging Team. So back then, I mean, I, I couldn't put two sentences together, let alone uh, speak confidently about products. Well, you go through college judging and you have to go into a room with one other person and convince them that your idea is correct in under two minutes. And over about a 12-month time, you'll do that probably 500 times practicing. So I used that, brought that back, and just pick up a phone, tell someone, hey, film this for me quick, and we'll, we'll shoot a quick three-minute video, and there's no art to it, I don't think, and, and just maybe make it creative, keep it different, and guys will watch it. Farmers love watching machinery on TVs. They love seeing what other, what other guys are doing, and they just get on YouTube and just watch everything. and. Uh, it's the internet's so cool. The internet is a huge part of what we've done, whether it's from Tractor House, Facebook, YouTube, tying all that stuff together. Um, it's been amazing. It, like I said, there's no secret behind really what I'm doing or what we do with marketing. We just try to film the insides of what we do. We try to be as transparent to the farmer for working on this in the shop. We want every farmer in America to see it. Mm -hmm. So we have to put it out there on every platform and uh, it, it also sets us apart in that dealership on how are we different. Well maybe we have a how-to uh, video on Yetter Row Cleaners or the sulfur tillage tools. Guys will watch that and they'll call us, they'll see that we're the experts and that's kind of where it goes. Okay. You guys have also a, you have some equipment you're making yourselves, correct? How mm -hmm. did that did that come first, or did the dealership come first, or how? No, that the the deal. Go ahead, Adam. You can. Uh, I guess that it, that I was going to bring that up as far as things that you learn along the way. Um, you know, I, I listened to uh, Pat Whalen's interview that uh, Mike Lesser mm -hmm. did with him, and he made a good point as far as big dealerships are are like a, a big submarine they take really slow to move but they're hard to stop as well and yet he, he said yet manufacturing was like a, a sailboat he could turn it in a heartbeat and go a certain direction 
So that's kind of where we want to be. We want to be able to move really quick. That's where we brought on engineers. Uh, if there's a product that a rep does not make, but a customer wants, we set the engineer down, tell them what we want, spit it out, and sell it to the customers. But we've learned that we're not really manufacturers. We, we can sell product, rep product really well and help farmers, but we don't manufacture the greatest. Um, we can come up with some cool ideas because farmers tell us what they want. We can merge it with some lines and we can come up with something pretty cool. Um, but for us to mass produce product, for us to make sure the quality's there, it's just not us. Mm -hmm. So um, the engineers came on probably three years ago, three, four years ago, we had a few products we wanted to kind of streamline and we did for a while and we still do. Um, but today we kind of get it into an infant stage and then try to pass it on to a manufacturer. In fact, Yetter's carrying a couple products that we've kind of hatched, I guess you could say. But that's definitely a learning point. We thought we were going to be uh, Fennig Manufacturing, and uh, it's not us. <laughs> not us. But it's still important to you guys to keep those engineers on staff. Absolutely. We feel that we still need to hatch products, per se, um, keep things innovative. Farmers love that we can that they can come to us with an idea and we can actually hand it to them about two months later and it, it blows them away. Whether it's just one farmer wants it and it only fits him or uh, maybe it's something that could be used countrywide. Um, we like to stay innovative and be on that cutting edge mm -hmm. and uh, customers like to see that from us because it's our ear to the ground and working on the farmer's agenda. Okay. You also had said, you know, you have to make sure that your family's values are becoming the business's values. And how do, how have you guys tried to kind of instill what the three of you value in those other ten people that aren't necessarily part of the family that work with you? Yeah, work hard. I mean, it's it's hard work, and I mean the the people that we hired, the I think most of them come from a farm. And they, they know what hard work is. And, uh, I, and I think when they see me out there pushing grindstone 12 hours a day, they see him out there doing the same thing, they're on board. I mean, it's not like me and him were sitting in an easy chair letting all these other guys do the work. I mean, we're right out there getting our hands dirty with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And... Uh, I think they, the employees look at us like, wow, I mean, they, they, their heart is in this. You know, I'll, I'll die doing this. And I think that's what they think, and they can relate to, to how we want this business to grow and, and where we want to go with it, and they're on board with that. Yeah, and your employees are only going to put in the effort that you do. Um, you know, you'll, you can have some that will go over and above you, uh, but it won't last real long. They'll either move on or, or drop to your level. And again, you ask about what sets us apart from bigger dealerships. I think that's one of them. I mean, you, you find a dealership that's family owned where father and son are on board, um, but they're still grinding, you know. A lot of times they'll kind of step back, go elsewhere and let the employees take over. That's a big advantage for us to be able to uh, be out there helping the employees uh, do what they need to do and then watch us do what we do, it 
I mean, it, it's, it makes things go upwards real quick. When you've had those employees who do, you know, you were saying sometimes they do rise above and then either they fall back down or they leave, has that brought you guys up? You know, if you have that employee that's mm -hmm. you know, rising to your level or getting higher than you, is that pushing you guys to work harder? Yeah. If, if that's possible? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, we've, we've been blessed with employees. I mean, we really haven't had much of, much of anyone really leave. Okay. Um, I mean, there, there's been some, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it definitely, um, whenever you see an employee kind of struggling or a salesman going through a tough time, uh, definitely we, we need to step up our game. And uh, it, they're only going to be as strong as, as you are. So mm -hmm. you've got to grab them, bring them up with you. And uh, the other guys see that too, and it just it drives everyone. Yeah. yeah, we had a sales meeting here a couple weeks ago, and, and I have sales goals for everybody. And I think at this point in this business, and it took this long, I think everybody is moving in one direction. And I told these guys, you know, we had one sales guy over here that sold $250,000 and this guy over here sold $10,000 but the guy who sold the 10,000 made this 250,000 deal go through because he helped him and I said there I said that's a, that's a team mm -hmm. you know you have one guy that scores 25 points you have got one guy that scores two but he assists as a teamwork or as a team member as we work together and uh, uh, I, I think that's that's loudly spoken because there's not too many places where you can work where you always have that one guy that's just like a thorn in his side. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that. Uh, you know, we have cookouts for our employees. I mean, we have, I try to make my employees the happiest people that I can, I, I try to send them home early on a Friday when we're not too busy. Uh, but they know when we do get busy, I mean, they need to be there. And all these employees have family and have kids, and, and uh, it's, it's a juggling act to, to keep all that lined up and make sure everybody's on the same page. But at, when I go home, at the end of the day, I can say that, man, I got, I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. I'm real lucky. Oh. Yeah, there's not anybody that has, if somebody, if a semi pulls in, there's not one person that it's that job to go unload that semi. If there's the, the mechanics working in the shop and he sees it and it, the salesman's not out there, he'll run out there. Um, we've got not one person has, you know, everybody helps each other do something. I mean, I'll hop out and I, the semi drivers get out and there I am on the forklift unloading and they're, you're going to unload this? Yeah, I'm going to unload this. And then I'm probably going to count it and put it away too. And they're just, and then, then I'll go back in the office and I'll finish what I'm doing in there. So I don't just, you know, and that's with everybody. They don't just, I mean, Adam will come up and help me with a billing, you know, I got billing questions, he come up and help me with that. And, or Gary will, you know, help Adam with something or the other employees. So it's, everybody don't just stay focused on one job. You know, oh, that's not my job, I can't do that. No, Gary will be sweeping out the shop. He's cleaning the shop up, sweeping it. Or another salesman's in there sweeping it up. It's not just the shop guy to sweep it up. So it's everybody helps each other. Last thought about how you've gotten to where you are today? I, I, I think it's just hard work, commitment, 
surround yourself with with excellent people, good people, because if you don't do that, uh, the phone call you make to them is not going to go like you planned. And be right up front with everybody. Be honest. You know, there's we have a. I always think about this. We always have an operating line, a, a credit line that we always operate off of, and to where it started out, to where to where it is today, it's mind-boggling. And you know, with that much on the line, and I think you know, we have to feed 13 or 10 families, 12 families. You know, with all that on the line, with decisions you make today and discussions that you have today, Adam and I have, Adam and I have are going to affect these employees or affect our business one way or another. And we just hope that, you know, what we do and, and uh, things that we buy and, and train our sales guys on how to sell it and talk to the farmer and it it's, it's all goes hand in hand with, with uh, how you want this business to end up being. And it sounds like the future's bright. Yeah, yeah, I would say, yep, we're gonna keep, continue. Our number one priority, in my opinion, is just continue stacking up employees. Just keep putting the right ones in there and it's gonna keep going. I mean, it, there were three years ago where this was Fennec equipment. There's no way we could spend a week here uh, without, <laughs> right. without basically sales. A year ago, they had to go to Pennsylvania to a farm show. We now have another employee going there this week so that this can happen. That's awesome. Uh, thank, yeah. thank you for, yeah. for uh, doing this it. interview. We really appreciate it. You bet. We're, it's been great learning a little bit more. I've you know, been aware of you for the last several years, but really hearing your story and uh, seeing how things have changed, it's great. So thank you guys for sitting down to talk. Thanks so much to Gary, Adam, and Angie for taking the time to sit down and share their story with us. And another thanks to HBS Systems for making this podcast possible. I'd love to get your feedback on the new series, so drop me a line at kschmidt at lestermedia.com. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. This will ensure you're alerted as soon as a new episode is made. Thanks for joining us for this conversation with the Fennec family. Until next time, I'm Kim Schmidt signing out of the Our Dealer Story Podcast.